Jesus, I thank you for today, and I thank you for letting us stand here in your presence and just stand in front of you with righteousness and just living in your name, Jesus. I pray that as we hear this message, that we would just sink it into our hearts and we can just soak it up like a sponge, Lord. And our, our, the word that you give us today would just speak truth in our lives. I thank you for letting us come out here to worship in your name and just praise you because you love us so much. I pray that as we go out the rest of our lives that we know that you love us so much and that our only goal is to love you and just to praise your name the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Now this is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior. All the day long, praising my Savior all the day long. Am I? Yeah, I'm on. I want to show y'all something.
Not that small. <laughs> At least I don't have to fill his shoes. <laughs> I walked up there earlier t today and I, 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 I thought, they've got to lower this thing, but it's just right for Nathan. <laughs> what a blessing this worship service has been. And what a blessing to me that Lee has let me preach a couple of Sundays. I hope that you understand and appreciate what a great pastor you have. He really is. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate him more all the time. Well, you see my official t-shirt, Sinner's Welcome, and this is a continuation of the thoughts I wanted to give you last week. You may recall that last week we looked at Luke chapter 5, and we looked at Jesus calling Matthew, who was a tax collector, and Matthew throwing a big party, and Jesus going to his house, and a whole bunch of people that were in the Sinners Are Not Welcome Club were out there complaining that Jesus was a friend of sinners, that He was actually going into their house and having fellowship with them. And then we looked at Luke chapter 7, about a, a time that a Pharisee invited Jesus over for dinner, and you remember the woman that had a bad reputation showed up and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and anointed them with perfume, dried them with her hair. And how that host, that Pharisee host he had, thought Jesus cannot possibly be a true prophet to allow something like this to happen. And then we looked at chapter 15, the story of a man who had two sons. And one son, the younger one, goes off and wastes everything and and defiles the name of his family. And when he returns home, he's received by his father, restored to full sonship, not just to be a servant in his father's house as he wanted, but his father said, no, you're my son. And he restored him, and an elder brother comes and refuses to celebrate the return of his younger brother because he was such a sinner. And the father says to him, don't you understand? Your brother was lost and is found. He was dead and he's been made alive again. What we were trying to say last Sunday is that every one of us should remember that we are sinners saved by God's grace without any merit of our own. And you say, well, I came in the door that way, but now I've got quite a bit of merit. I, I'm in church every Sunday. I've quit all of my sinning ways, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm a different person. And so we begin to imagine somehow or another we don't need a Savior as bad as we used to. I'm going to tell you, friend, you don't ever outgrow that. You don't ever outgrow needing a Savior. And... We need to remember that so that we always remember that sinners are welcome. And sinners welcome is our motto. And sinners welcome 
and reaching out to a world outside this church that needs to hear that message is our mission. This is our motto, but it also informs us as to what we're supposed to be doing. So we remember that we're sinners saved by grace, and there was a time when Jesus welcomed us, and that's our message that we are now to go and to share in this world. Not just with each other in our Sunday school class, not with just each other in our small group, but to actually go out to that world out there that is lost and is wandering around blind and, and, and to tell them this message that they are loved unconditionally and that they are welcome to Christ. So last week, remember that you're saved by grace. This week, let us consider what we do about it. And you want to know how you know what to do about it is you look to Jesus and you see Him as your guide. He is the model that we look at. And so it's just amazing to me how much of this we can find right here in one gospel. If you were to look at Luke chapter 14 and verses 16 through 24, you hear Jesus giving another parable. And I want to tell you, if you want to know what a definition of a parable is, a parable is a story about someone else that ends up being a story about you. Jesus had a funny way of letting a story turn like that. And Jesus says a certain man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many, and at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported to his master then the head of the household became angry and said to a slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out to the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Do you get the message? God wants his house to be full. He sends out an invitation. Many who don't see the great need, the great value of that invitation, they don't take advantage of it. So he sends out you and me to the streets, to the lanes, to the highways, to the byways, to the hedges, and compel people to come in because his intent is for his house to be full. That Jesus that told that parable is the Jesus that lived out a parable in the form of his encounter with Zacchaeus. And when you look in Luke, again, chapter 19, you see the story of this man. Let's read that together. Verse 19, verse 1, 
chapter 19, verse 1, And he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich, and he was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried, and he came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He's gone to, the get, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus. It's interesting, once again in the book of Luke, Jesus is encountering somebody that is one of these hated tax collectors. They've got rich, and they got rich by cheating their fellow countrymen as they collected taxes for the Romans. They were seen as traitors. They were seen as outcasts. They would not have been welcome in the local synagogue. They were excommunicated. They were a sinner, and no one uh, had any sensibility whatsoever would ever have anything to do with a tax collector other than to pay his taxes and spit and walk off. It says that Zacchaeus was uh, of small stature. You remember the song. Some of you, if you grew up in the church, you read, you remember singing about Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And it tells the whole story. Zacchaeus, you come down. You know, Lord, he wanted to see. You remember all those hand things you did with that? If I was casting a movie about Zacchaeus, Danny DeVito has got to say, yes, I'll play Zacchaeus. <laughs> think for a minute about this guy. He's little. How do you think uh, things went for him at school? He may have been the kid that got picked on a lot, bullied. And sometimes when you're small and you get picked on, you get bullied, you get angry. And I have a feeling Zacchaeus said, you know what, someday I'm going to find some way to get revenge. I'm going to get those people. There was an old tax collector in town. And as Zacchaeus grew to become an adult, this old tax collector got sick and he died. And Zacchaeus applied for the job and he got it. And he was good at it. And he enjoyed going to those people that had bullied him and collecting taxes and just seeing them squeal in agony as he overcharged them for their taxes. He loved it. He was so good at it, he became a chief tax collector. He had guys working for him, and he worked the crowd, and he had become very, very rich. But you know what? 
in spite of the anger, in spite of the revenge, and how sweet that it seemed at first, he found as he lived his life, it was not satisfying him. I think God was working in his heart. We don't know. This wasn't just something that happened in a vacuum. He began to hear about Jesus. He began to hear about the things that he taught and things that he did and the things that he said. He began to think about him, and he sounded different. He didn't sound like the other religious leaders, and he was curious. He wanted to know more about him, and then here's the day he's coming through town, and he wanted to see this man. He wanted to lay eyes on him, to hear what he had to say. And somewhere deep in his heart, he wanted and hoped that something really was different about Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and he can't see him. The crowd may have to pay him taxes, but they don't have to let him through to the front row. And he's back there on his tiptoes, and he can't see Jesus as he's coming down the road, and so he begins to think of a plan. And he was always resourceful that way, and he runs on ahead, and there's this sycamore tree. And he climbs up in it, so he could see over the crowd. And here comes Jesus. And everybody's wanting his attention. Everybody's applauding. Everybody's following him. And Jesus comes to the tree and he stops. And everybody stops, thinks Jesus is going to say something. And he does. He looks up in the tree and he sees Zacchaeus. And they think, boy, he's going to give him what for. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down because I have to go to your house today and stay with you. And the Scripture says he hurried down. I think he fell out of the tree. <laughs> Astonished. You, you see that in verse 5. Hurry down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly, received him with great rejoicing. Wasn't a self-respecting Jew much less a Pharisee who would have contaminated himself by going one step inside Zacchaeus's house. And Jesus has just said, you know, I think I want to... It wouldn't just go over and have dinner. I'm going to spend the night with you. I want to stay over at your house. I'm going to be your house guest for a few days. He comes down, and in verse 7... We see the sinners not welcome crowd show up again. When they saw it, and we all know who they are, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus hears it. And he stops right there in the middle of the road, and he turns around, and there's a big crowd following. And he, he, he makes a very loud announcement. He doesn't talk to these people who were grumbling. He just in front of them talks to Jesus. And what he says to him is amazing. In verse 8, he stops and he says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Do the math on that for a moment. Up front, he's going to give up half of everything he owns. 
and just give it to the poor. Of the remaining half, he's going to pay back everybody he ever cheated, and believe me, he knew them. He had their name down in a book and how much he had gotten them for. And he went back to that book, and four times whatever he cheated them for, he gave back to them. I believe he did it. You know what Zacchaeus did that day? He went from being the richest guy in town to the poorest. You know what else I think? I think he kept on being tax collector. And I think he started only charging them what was legitimate. And he helped out those people in Jericho because some other guy would cheat him. I bet all the guys working for him quit complaining to the higher-ups. This guy isn't doing what he... They, they may have come and gotten him. I don't know. But I think the day that he died, they didn't rejoice like they'd done with the old tax collector. They mourned because this guy had learned to be different. He had a generous heart. Is it because Zacchaeus was so good? No, he got saved. And God started remaking him. God had gone and found this lost sheep and he had started changing his heart. Jesus comes along the deal gets sealed. He's transformed. He's changed. He lives a different kind of life. And what would have happened had Jesus been like the sinner's not welcome crowd who had said, oh, you're a sinner. You're a tax collector. I'm having nothing to do with you. Do you, do you see who Jesus is? Do you see what he's like? Do you see the kind of model that we have to follow? Jesus' response is, is great. He, Jesus, in front of all of them, says, Today salvation has come to this house because he too, even Zacchaeus, this old tax gatherer, Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How many times he got to say that before we get it? If you turn just a few pages back to chapter 15, and you see verse 1, it says, Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to him, and both the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. They're pretty consistent with this problem, aren't they? And so is Jesus. And so Jesus tells them a parable. Story about someone else that ends up being a story about you. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more <clears throat> joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Do, do you hear that? You get it? Who's Jesus? He's a finder of lost things. He's just drawn to it. He can't do anything else but that. 
He's like a guy that's got a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine of them are where they need to be. There's one lost one. He leaves the ninety-nine in the open pasture without a guard. And he searches for the one lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders and carries it back. And he calls all of his neighbors together and say, let's have a party. This sheep was lost and it's been found. That's who Jesus is. And the church has no business being a sinner's not welcome club. Our mission is to go and find people that the world has discounted, that the world has thrown away, that the world has judged, that any good, righteous person would know you don't want that guy or that gal in your church. That's exactly the people that Jesus goes after. That's exactly who He goes to find. And He wants us to follow Him into that world. He wants us to do the same thing. He is the finder of lost sheep. He found you, and He found me, and now He invites us to join Him in this great mission to seek and to save that which is lost. If we're His church, if we are who we say we are, if we are what we say we are, then we must join Him out there. He's already out there, you know. He's already out there among lost sheep. He's out there seeking them out and finding them and wanting His church to rejoice with Him. He's out there. Let, let it not happen. Let it not ever happen that He would, as He is out there seeking these lost sheep, that He would look around and wonder where those people down at the church at the crossing are. Let it be our goal. Let it be our mission that when Jesus looks around, He's going to see us right there at His side seeking the lost of this world, working alongside Him in the harvest in this field of souls. This is, this is not a program among many programs. This is our mission. It's core. Will you do it? Will you become that? Here's some things to do to start down that road. Pray that the Lord will give you eyes to see those lost souls that you live by, that you work with, that you go to school with, that populate your life. And it takes God giving us eyes to see. Pray that God will prepare their hearts like He prepared Zacchaeus' heart, like He prepared Matthew's heart. Pray that God will prepare their hearts to hear about the incredible love of Jesus. Pray that God 
will give you opportunity to tell them about Jesus, the Jesus that welcomes sinners. And pray that you will recognize the opportunity when it comes to share with them the incredible invitation of Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses. You want to hear his invitation? It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word weary means to be worked to the point of total exhaustion. Come to me, you that are exhausted and ready to give up, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. That's not a hard message to carry. The hard message to carry is, look at me. Look at my life. Don't you want to be like me? My goodness. He never gave us that message. The message is, I'm a sinner. God saved me by grace. He can save you too if He can save me. I want to tell you some good news, friend. You don't have to make the grade. You don't have to come up to snuff. You don't have to do anything to deserve this. It's not about come to church or come to Jesus when you get your life cleaned up. That is never going to happen. Remember, I read that to you last week. He loves you as you are, not as you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be. He sends us forth with a message that points to Him, not to us. A message that you're welcome here. I'll receive you. I'll restore you, just like a lost son coming home. And we need to throw a party. That's Jesus. And that's the message. That's the model. Our motto, sinners are welcome. Our mission is to go and tell people about it. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to not just give lip service to this. We've not said anything today that we don't already know. We just don't do it. Too often, we just don't do it. Help us to understand that we're to join you in finding lost sheep that you've given us the privilege of being part of that. You've invited us to come alongside you. Lord, help us to be there. Help us to be alongside you in this field of souls as you work finding lost sheep, bringing in the harvest, all of those things. Lord, let us be part of it. Let us seize that opportunity to be finders of lost things alongside you. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Ushers.